You don't need to pick one. It's not an either or question of do you want to make money or do you want to do good in the world? It's saying, okay, if we actually do the the work and we're not intellectually lazy, if we stop just taking on board these ideas that the two concepts are mutually exclusive, then how would we run our organizations differently? How would we think about our contribution? Welcome to The Wealthy and Well Woman, a podcast that celebrates choosing a life of overflow. If you're looking to grow your business, live on purpose, and feel your best while doing it, then you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Kat Sanuski, the business coach for wellness leaders and visionary female entrepreneurs, founder of Be Well Events, and international yoga teacher and trainer. My goal in this podcast is to help you curate your life by design and claim your dream business by giving you actionable tips and trainings that help you get out of your own way, step into your power and monetize your magic. I'll be bringing you a thought training or interview from experts that will help you break through your fears, take action and grow into those massive visions that you can't stop thinking about. I am so happy you're here. Now let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Wealthy and Well Woman podcast. I'm your host, Kat Sanuski, and today we have another amazing guest, Bessie Graham, who is an award-winning entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience working with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies to bring doing good and making money back together. Bessie works with established business leaders who want to build on their success and align their company with their values, but are concerned about the impact of these changes on their bottom line, showing them that they can do good and make money. In fact, doing good is the competitive advantage their business has been missing. Bessie, I'm so excited for our conversation today. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I'd love to hear just how you got into this work. What's your story? I know we, of course, read your bio and we know what you're doing now and that you've been in this for many years, for 20 years, but what makes you so passionate about this work and how did you come to to do this work to help businesses join both doing good and making money? So really for me, I've always wanted to feel like I was making some kind of contribution. When I was younger, it was that aspect of, I couldn't have told you what it was, but I was like, I want to do something big. You know, I want to contribute. I want to make a difference. And I grew up in a family where my mum in particular was very focused on social justice and how do you make sure from a having perspective point of view that you're comparing yourselves to the bulk of people in the world and compared to them, you know, if you've got electricity and running water, you're doing very well. So there was sort of this sense of being aware of a bigger world out there and and wanting to figure out how I could contribute. And I had a fascination with lots of different things. So I was sort of someone who always questioned things and wasn't just didn't fit neatly into any boxes. I kind of was always pushing and saying, well, why do we have to do it that way? And why would it be that if we wanted to make a difference in the world, we have to just be in the nonprofit or charitable space? What could it look like if actually you loved business or the components of being quite competitive? I, I had all of this mix of different pieces. And so I studied politics, international relations, leadership was kind of the big focus of my academic study, undergraduate and postgraduate. But I, in terms of my career, 
I have always been looking for what are those places where we can bring the best of government, the best of the charitable sector and the best of business and figure out how do we actually all be operating from that place of our own brilliance and together collectively really uh, have a have an impact that we couldn't have as individuals, you know, if we were just in our own path. And so that's been the kind of common theme across the different businesses I've built and organisations I've worked with is always helping people with that mindset shift to realise you don't need to pick one. It's not an either or question of do you want to make money or do you want to do good in the world? It's saying, okay, if we actually do the the work and we're not intellectually lazy, if we stop just taking on board these ideas that the two concepts are mutually exclusive, then how would we run our organisations differently? How would we think about our contributions? And that is the, the passion that still, you know, even now when I'm focusing more on working with business leaders that are established and, and helping them with that mindset shift and, and ultimately having more impact in the world, the common theme has always been that bringing doing good and making money back together. Mm, yes. I mean, this really couldn't be a more perfect place to, <laughs> to be talking about this because it's a very similar mission at the Wealthy and Well Woman, you know, in the podcast and in my work as well. I work with a lot of wellness leaders and I've seen as, as a wellness leader and entrepreneur myself, and that's how I got started. I know for a fact that, and women more so, whether in wellness or not, but specifically in wellness, a lot of women in wellness think there's no way I can make money. I'm making an impact. I'm helping people and I can't have both. I can't make the money and have the impact. So I think there's so many different scales of this, but it's so fitting to have this conversation. And I'm so excited to hear how your work ties into this and how you do this with business owners um, in your own unique way, because it's something that I believe cannot be drilled enough into people, this mission of, yes, you can have both. You can be making a grand impact and love what you're doing and have the passion and all of that. And, and you can also make great money doing it. So who do you work with primarily? The work, if I look over the previous 20 years, it's always been in that small and medium enterprise size. So kind of up to 250 employees. My favorite space is working with people that are in organizations of that size, because if you are a leader or a business owner of an organization like that, then you are actually able to pull more of the levers than if you're in a huge organization where you've got a board and shareholders and and even if you want to do something there's limitations so that's sort of my sweet spot is the small and medium enterprise size um, but across uh, around the world so I've worked with with people in it would be now probably over 15 or 16 countries and I I love um, really getting alongside people I always frame it as being a thinking partner getting alongside leaders and and helping them be more strategic and systemic about how they're they're coming at these problems looking back the the previous 20 years the majority of those organizations and leaders that I worked with were coming at this from the perspective of that mindset that you just spoke of, that they had a social or an environmental issue they were passionate about and they were trying to figure out and 
and work with me to decide what would their business model be so that they could actually have a sustainable organisation. So they were coming at it from that side. Where I am focused now in the last few years and moving forward is a much broader piece that says if we look at the role business can play, then I don't want to just limit it to people who have that social or environmental driver because I believe that just as humans, we all want to be proud of our work. We want to feel that sense of bringing our whole self to work. And I don't think that that is reserved for people who run charities or nonprofits. I think that's something that across the board business leaders uh, are interested in and want to contribute to. So that's sort of the shift, always the small and medium enterprise space predominantly. Um, but now with that broader focus on anyone running a business who's trying to figure out, okay, the business is already doing well, but how would I have more of a sense of meaning and purpose to my work? Mm. And how would you say that at either of those levels or yeah, at e really either level, how would you go about designing that business model that creates both of those? Like what are some key components for you to create that? Well, it's interesting because the challenges are different depending which angle you come from. So if we if we first look at people um, like the examples you gave where someone is in the wellness space or there's this desire to help and contribute and make someone's life better. The, the first conversation that often has to be had to break down some of those mindsets is the piece around this discomfort with money, the discomfort with the word profit and trying to get people to realize that really when we think of designing out a business model and thinking about how we're going to ensure that we can keep doing this work in an ongoing way, I like people to just think about it around what's the transfer of value here? So what do I have of value that someone might want to pay for? And if I know that I am giving them something that is solving a problem they have or giving them some kind of benefit that they would love to have in their life, and the person values that, then there's nothing wrong, there's nothing exploitative about being paid for that. It's that there's this transfer happening. We're giving them something of value and they're giving us something of value, which is paying for our services. And I think that framing can be quite a helpful one to take away from the, the ideas of, oh, what's the revenue generation and what's our profit margin? And instead just be going, how do we get really clear on being more comfortable and confident in what we bring uniquely and then making sure we understand our customers that we're working with and we can really speak into the issues that they want solved. And then on the back of that, it's actually a much simpler conversation around, great, you've got this problem, I have a solution, this is how much it's going to cost and it doesn't have as much baggage around it. So, so that piece is important to get people who are coming from that purpose side to start to think about what would it look like and why should they start to design a business model that allows them to make sure they're making more money than it's costing them to run the business. Right. The second piece for people in that category is also just to think about that if you want to be able to in an ongoing way do this work and be you know, getting those results, you can't rely on the energy being there, the practicalities of, you know, being able to pay a mortgage or send your kids to school if you keep 
doing things without being paid. And so eventually you will get to a place of burnout or resentment and you just won't be able to continue. And so the more passionate you are about that, I actually think it's even more important to to think about those aspects. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with in order to create the impact long-term to create sustainable impact, you have to be getting paid. It has to be sustainable for you to run it because otherwise you're going to keep not making money and not be able to live your life and therefore not be making and creating the impact. And I even think about that as in, in many ways, as if you are generating an abundant income with the work that you do with that transfer of value and creating something that's super value, offering something that's super valuable, um, to the people that you're working with and to the people that you're selling to, it also creates more space for you to create an impact, you know, by doing things that are low cost or free or freeing up some of your time and being able to kind of give back from more of the overflow than from, I'm just trying to buy groceries this week, (laughs) Um, or, you know, I'm just trying to be profitable or whatever that may be. Um, So yeah, I love that. That's such, that's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a nice natural kind of segue into the components of when someone is looking at this from the perspective of they've been running a business and not really thinking about it related to what is their contribution or how does this mm. business actually make a positive impact in the world. The The aspects that people need to think about in that space are that, again, if we go back to this mindset that we've taken on board and for most people is unconscious where they've felt like, well, I made a choice, I decided to set up a business, I'm not running a charity. So there's then all of this narrative that's connected to that of, well, therefore, I just need to have my business brain, my hat on that says, you know, does this make commercial sense? And what does this look like? What we haven't actually really questioned is that the whole idea around the purpose of business being profit maximization or shareholder uh, primacy, only came out in the 70s. That's not the roots of business. That's not the driver of where business historically has come from or the human aspects of how we've had such a central role for trade and bartering and craftsmanship and all of those components which are at the root of why most people set up a business, not just a, a thoughtless attempt to make as much money as possible. We've we've just taken that on and said, well, that's the purpose of business. So we then might think, okay, if I want to give back, it's external to my business. So with some of the profit or some of my time, I will give to a charity that's doing good. The big focus of my work with leaders is to help them realize that I want them to get to a place where if you make a donation with some profit, or you give your time pro bono, that's great. Those things should be encouraged, but that's icing on the cake. It's not the cake itself. The piece that you want to get to is really looking at your business, what you do and saying, how could I bring back inside the business the idea of doing good? So whether that's with how you treat your employers, employees, or whether it's about the results you get for your customers or the way you produce your products, and the way you package them, your supply chain, how you're paying people that are producing things for you. All of those decisions that you have control over in the business 
I want businesses to start there and then flow out from that place rather than having this concept that good is external to the business. Oh, I love that you I love that you came back to that. First off, the roots of business historically not coming from a profit-driven place mm-hmm. is something that I think would blow a lot of people's minds. Like I would, I would not think of that. And I think that there's a lot of people these days too that probably think, you know, how can I create my own business and what can I do to make money type thing instead of really solving a problem and doing good and creating impact. Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of both, but that's, that's really amazing. And to consider how you're doing good actually within your company and within the way that you're running the business, not just, you know, what am I donating to this year? And do you work with companies to do any sort of like profit share or give back initiatives or things like that? Or would you say it's more from this groundwork level of creating amazing results with your customers, you know, treating your employees really well, starting there and then rippling out? Or is it a combo of both? Look, it's a combination, but there are often it can be quite overwhelming at first for a business leader to think, you know, what would I even uh, look at first? Where do I begin? Mm. And so I tend to, to say that there will be a natural entry point that's a good place for you to start as a business leader. And there's three focus areas that tend to always um, be, you can grab at least one of them, usually two. And so those are a customer focus, which is for organisations like the wellness space that you mentioned, where your driver and the change that you're creating in the world is through the transformations that your customers achieve by working with you. So that if you are excited by and passionate about changing the life of your customer and making sure that they're better off after engaging with you, then the best place to start is to look at that and say, how do I create a business model where those things become mutually reinforcing as my customers get better results and are uh, having a more positive impact in their own lives? It then drives referrals, it drives recurring revenue, drives renewals, and that is going to increase the, the revenue in the business itself. So it's having this beautiful reinforcing factor of I'm achieving more good in the world and it's making more money. If you're an organization where you look at your, say your costs and you, you think, wow, the bulk of the money that we're spending is actually on staff. Well, you might say the natural place for us to start is to think about how are we having an impact through our team. And so then you look at things like what's the culture here? What's the working environment? Am I creating a place to come to work where my team's well-being is looked after and where when they go home, they are not so stressed and anxious and overworked that it actually has really negative ripple effects on their families and their communities. How do I take responsibility for ensuring that they are getting fair pay, that they have the right uh, sort of aspects around them in terms of depending on what country you're in, whether that's around pensions or medical, what does that look like to create an organisation where I have a team that are flourishing? The commercial side of that, if that's your focus, is that when you have a team that are really passionate, that feel connected to their work, that feel they are respected and and recognised for their contributions, they actually show up for your customers more. They're loyal. You won't have the same levels of turnover and training required by always bringing new people in. So again, 
you're never being apologetic about the fact that the good has to make commercial sense. We're always looking for both sides of that. And then just briefly, the third natural focus area or entry point for some businesses, if they have a physical product, is a production focus. And that's where we start to really take responsibility and look at things like our supply chain. Are people in safe working conditions? Are they being paid properly? Are we taking responsibility for the packaging and postage and the, the way that we use resources and our impacts on the environment? So depending what your business is, there will be a natural entry point that you can at least start the exploration. That is so helpful and so clear. I would say a lot of our listeners are in the coaching wellness realm and the customer yeah. focus was like, boom, of course. Yeah. That's yeah. that's exactly what the focus should be. How can you create better and better, better transformations for your clients? And then naturally, how does that funnel back into reinforcing and growing your business as well? And can I tell you a quick story on that one of why yes. it's important in that category? So I had a, a person that I did a bunch of coaching work with and I really loved working with her. I went on multiple retreats with her and felt like she had made a real difference in my life. And I was on a retreat with her a few years ago and she started to tell the group about the fact that she was really passionate about this particular country and wanting to one day be part of setting up an orphanage there. And she framed it as saying, Oh, at some point when I've made enough money, what I would really love to do is go and work in this country and, you know, help these children. And I spoke to her afterwards and I said, I know that your heart and your intention in saying that was good, but it was actually quite jarring because as someone who's worked with you for years and felt like this was your passion and your brilliance and you had made a real difference in my life, by you framing it as this is almost like just how you're making money to one day do what you care about, I actually felt quite disrespected in that process. And so I think when people are in that category and their intention is they want to be making a difference, they're really conscious of almost that discomfort with money and wanting to ensure their customers know I'm a good person and I make donations and I give back. By starting to realise that the biggest impact you're having is the transformation on your customers, you can actually be more respectful to them and also honour your work more and start to realise donations and other things are lovely, but as I said, they're the icing on the cake, they're not the cake itself. Mm, that was so powerful and and so needed to be said, I think, for so many people that are in that place, especially I'm thinking of, of beginner more newer entrepreneurs in this space and coaching and in wellness that are thinking, you know, how can I charge this much for my services? You know, am I taking advantage of people? If they're having those negative thoughts about making the trade for money and making good money, then it just comes back to you doing good is your work itself is the transformation is how you're helping people is how you're actually coaching people. And that should be your passion and your mission and how you're doing good in the world. And then, yeah, you know, donation charity stuff is extra icing on the cake, but your core work and your core way of, of really doing good and making an impact in the world is your work in itself. 
So how do you continue to make that better? How do you continue to get better results for your clients? How do you obsess over how well you can care for and help your clients? Thank you for saying that. I, I think that's so good. And another part of that is I would love to hear your thoughts on the inner work of leadership and why that is so important when you're really focused on having a positive impact on the world. Look, I think all of us, the, the longer you are in positions of leadership or you're trying to run an organization, the more you deeply experience the fact that you have to lead yourself before you can lead others. And for me, the components of a level of self-awareness and that constant reflection and doing your own work is just a, a part of life. Uh, you know, if we look right back to the human civilizations around, you know, ancient Greek philosophers and things, they always said that the foundational piece was know thyself. Like that's where it all begins. Uh, I've got a friend who's a, a philosopher in the, the US and he always says that all goal setting should be an ongoing exercise of self-knowledge. And I think when we look at that framing related to business or leadership and that we are typically people who are setting these big goals and achievers wanting to, you know, grow and, and scale. If we keep in mind that that aspect of self-knowledge is at the heart there, then what it allows us to do is reduce the risk that we end up just taking on board the messages of what the world is telling us success looks like, what the world is telling us we should focus on, and then wondering why we feel disillusioned and unsatisfied because we're just chasing everyone else's goals and dreams, but they're not actually ours. So for me, the self-knowledge thing is just a wise way to engage in the world, but it is also critical if we want to actually have a chance of living a life that feels satisfying and fulfilling and is connected to who we are as an individual rather than just simply, oh, at the moment, everyone's obsession online is this particular thing. Or if I've already re reached six figures, I need to reach for seven. If I've reached seven, I've got to hit eight. And it's like, but do you? Is that what you want? Or do you really love is freedom in terms of time and being in a really relaxed flow state more important to you? And actually staying at seven figures would be a better way than, than drilling to, to an eight figure mark. So I think that piece is is critical because I never want leaders to be in that position where they get to retirement or they sell their business and they look back and think, oh my goodness, what have I done? Like I, the effort I put in, the sacrifices I made to actually just tick boxes and achieve goals that don't actually feel deeply satisfying to me. Like let's avoid that at all costs. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes, I can agree more. And the last thing before we um, begin to wrap up here that I'm curious about is I know that you say how you make money is just as important as what you do with it. Can you talk to us about what you mean by that and how business owners can do that? Yeah. Well, so it comes back to that idea of looking inside the business of what is it that you're actually doing and how does that make a difference in the world. Mm. The reason why I always point this out to people is to say that we don't want to be in that situation where we're ignoring our behaviours or decisions and the, the negative impacts that often occur there and simply saying, oh, but I made this big donation 
or I, uh, I did this positive thing with the money and resources I then, I then made. You know, if we go to a really extreme um, example, but unfortunately it's very common, if we go to the philanthropic space, so people that are quite wealthy and end up setting up a foundation, one of the pieces that happens consistently and is only in the, the last decade or so, there's some philanthropists starting to change this, is that people ignore what they're investing the money in. So from the practicalities, the way it works is you put a bunch of money into this philanthropic trust. It's invested on the stock market and they ignore what it's invested in. They just say, let's just make as much money as we can so that we can make a difference in the world. And then they legally have to grant 5% a year. So they can frame it as how incredibly generous they are. But if you're ignoring how you made the money and actually all your investments are creating environmental damage, they are having terrible supply chains and leaving people in dangerous situations and not paying them fairly, but then you're giving 5% of that each year to try to address environmental causes and thinking that's generous, this is the disconnect that happens. And mm. so that's the philanthropic version, but that happens in businesses. You know, we could give donations to the latest cause and yet actually our team go home and have to have a second job and never see their kids because we didn't pay them properly or because mm. we we created such a stressful work environment with so much pressure. You know, so all of those pieces are saying don't have a disconnected view or, or compartmentalise those aspects and instead start by looking at the way you're making the money and then what you do with it rather than seeing those as two distinct things that, you know, one washes out the, the, the sins of the other. I love it. It brings back the point. And, and I was seeing that as kind of a different way. So I love that um, you explained that more in depth is it really just plays back into before of, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. How are you actually operating? How are you actually treating people? How are you actually showing up to your business? What's your mission and your values behind your business more so than how much money are you flaunting that you donated to such and such charity this year and saying, oh, well, I have a massive impact just because I am shelling out some money. So yeah. yes, that I, I think that's say so to important. people as well, you know, if we look at something like profit, because often businesses that are doing that are saying, we give X percentage of our profit each year mm. to this cause. Anyone who runs an organization knows that the easiest thing to manipulate is your profit line. So if I have a lot of profit this year, I could go on three business trips, go to a mm. conference, fly business class into like, I can drop that profit very easily and manipulate what that profit line looks like. Yep. And so when people tell me those kinds of things as their, their, their reason for how they're having an impact, I always say, I'm actually not really that interested in a percentage of profit version being your contribution. I want to know what you're doing with the 95%, a bit like the right. for example, you know, tell me what you're doing with the bulk of what is at your disposal. Mm. The profit piece, okay, lovely. That can be um, a footnote, but but that should not be what you're leading with. Mm, that's such a good point. And I think this really brings more intention and more consideration into people that do want to do charity events. Like I myself have done charity events. And I think it helps Absolutely. you think more about the bigger picture than just, okay, how can we make this impactful? How can we give back through this process? And I've I've even seen that in the process of of planning charity events where it's like, okay, you could 
say we're donating this much amount of the profits, but then you're spending tons of money on like all these direct decorations and yeah. all of these things that cost a ton of money. And so really the money that people are paying for that is going more towards the event creation that, yes. you know, then it's going to the actual charity. So I always try to be very aware that that small piece, you know, when I've done stuff like that of, you know, how can I limit costs and have sponsors donating things as much as possible so that truly the money is going to a charity not just to put on the event or something like that. Yeah. And then you- it's aligned, you know, I think you want to be looking mm-hmm. for, there's always going to be lots of different causes that are competing for your attention when it comes mm. to what we do external to the business. The clearer you are on what it is you're passionate about, what you want to contribute to, the change you want to be part of in the world, the easier it is to then not feel bad for saying no to the bulk of the the organisations that are asking for your support, mm. but then also tell a much clearer story in terms of that consistency and alignment of if you as an organisation are passionate about women having financial independence and security and being able to live the life they want to lead and never be in a position where they stay in a relationship because they didn't have resources, for example, Mm. then it would make more sense for you to, when you are giving donations, for those to be focused on and drawing attention to the causes related to that thematic rather than saying, oh gosh, there's a lot of talk at the moment about this particular issue that just happened in this country or that country and so I'll give a donation to that. I want people to get really clear and aligned on what do you care about, what do you want to contribute to in the world and then let's see a beautifully consistent, I call it a strategic thread, but Mm. what's that thread or theme where your customers, your team, everyone goes, oh, that makes sense that we would all want to get behind that and raise money for that because that connects to all of the language, all of the the pieces that I see consistently being part of what this organization cares yes. about. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think that's so helpful for anyone that's thinking they're at that phase where, you know, they do focus internally a lot and they're they're really wanting to give back in that external way. But how do I do it? in a way that is aligned, that does make sense to people that doesn't just feel super random <laughs> or like, I'm just trying to look like I'm doing something good by doing a, a charity thing. Um, I love that. Thank you so much. And the last question that I have for you is what does it mean to you to be a wealthy and well woman? Yeah. So for me, really, I see that as being able to be in a place where I can give from the overflow of my energy or resources, whatever that is. So giving from a place of overflow rather than scarcity Mm. and being unapologetic about that. And then also the other piece that we did talk about today too is that it's about acting from that deep sense of knowing myself because when I'm in that place, then everything else kind of falls into place. So those components allow me to have the type of life I want and to feel the energy in in the uh, the way I'm living rather than being exhausted by it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And where can our listeners find you? So the best place is to just go to my website, bessiegraham.com, and we can share a link. But from the website, you'll be able to find my podcast. Uh, there's a bunch of different resources and, and blogs and videos and stuff there from, from my YouTube channel as well. 
Thank you, Bessie, so much for coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on today's episode of the Wealthy and Well Woman podcast. I am so grateful that you listened in. If you loved what you heard and you feel called to share, please go leave me a review on iTunes so I can make sure to keep all this good stuff coming your way. Also share this episode with someone you think would absolutely love it. And I will be so grateful. That's how we spread the wealthy and well woman mission together. If you aren't already following me on social media, come and join me by following at Kat Sanuski. I would love to connect with you there. And I cannot wait to connect you with you back here in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and shine as the wealthy and well woman you are.